Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Join News, we are your home of independent, fearless, and credible journalism. Welcome to Join News Prime with me, Carlos Caloni. Our least story is our minority on Parliament Agree Committee calls for special financing arrangement to revive the country's biggest indigenous cocoa buying company, PBC, describing it as a state institution on autopilot. And seven years after the brutal murder of Major Maxwell Mahama, 12 residents of Denchobwasi, including former assemblyman, have been handed a life imprisonment after they were found guilty of conspiracy to commit murder and murder. And NDC MPP face off at IPAC meeting over ISIS proposal to shift elections date to November 7 as political parties fail to reach consensus. Later in the bulletin, we have more. I'm enjoy with Labour Masquerade. Child. Some of the children came to say, Pastor, um, me too, I'm going to learn hard. I'm going to make sure I do well in school so that you can help me get some books. Labour need to educate And later, Emma Davis will come your way with Prime Business. Economist Dr. Dusa Kodye is optimistic the economy will pick up strongly following the cut in monetary policy rates. Around 7%. The um, trade TB rates has also declined marginally. And all these are pointing to the right direction. So they... We also have prime sports. Well, the Ministry of Sports is under increasing pressure to reveal the AFCON 2023 spending after it emerged that $8.4 million was budgeted for the tournament. We are live on DSTV Channel 421, Go TV Channel 125. We are on myjoyonline.com and all our social media platforms. Please stay with us. Join News Prime Headlines 
was brought to you by Don't take risks. Use a condom every time. And thanks to Malatu, I kicked out Malaya one time. Some spices. Yes, sir. Joining us here on Joy News Prime. Now, the Minority on Parliament Agreed Committee is calling for a special financing arrangement to revive the country's biggest indigenous cocoa buying company, PBC. Now, Joy News nine months ago reported on the woes of the company and how its market share had declined from 30.88% in 2016 to 8% in 2021. Last week, a consortium of banks confiscated some assets of the produce buying company of a non-payment of debt running into more than 300 million Ghana cities. Here are excerpts of our hotline documentary, PBC Troubles. The Produce Buying Company Limited is Ghana's biggest indigenous cocoa buying entity. It evolved from the produce department of the Ghana Cocoa Marketing Board and was incorporated as the Produce Buying Division Limited on November 13, 1981 as a 100% state-owned enterprise and a subsidiary of the Cocoa Board. But the light of the company that gave many cocoa farmers some hope appears to have dimmed in recent times and things are on a nosedive. Since last year, 2021, I started beginning of the season on October 6, February, and yes, it District managers are unable to cut tons of cocoa from its societies to depots because of lack of fuel to run its tracks. Oh, district manager, so the sika sika na ba novembo, nti se wo pese ukoko no ba depot, se de crash no ton cocoa no ma da farms na. Now we are comparing us here. Now they are at all this now they are to cocoa na be good depot. Its purchasing clerks are now using PBC facilities to buy and trade cocoa for competitors because there are no funds to pay farmers who sell their beans to the produce buying company. In 2021, a whistleblower and senior staff of the produce buying company petitioned the presidency over the possible bankruptcy of the state-owned venture. He raised alarm about the downward trend of PBC's market shares. In his petition to the president, he made a prediction about the market share of the company. He stated that if PBC market share should hit a single digit, it will spell doom for the state-owned company. Exception of our new management, I realize our fortunes, our fortunes per market share were falling. And as I indicated earlier, it affected our 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 remunerations. You know something? For the past six years, we have never had even one percent salary increment. And you can imagine. 
the hardships we are all finding ourselves through in Ghana now. Even one percent we have because yes, it's true. The, the the financial difficulties and challenges we are facing. And it was all because we were not able to buy in volumes. That is why I wanted to inform the presidency. I wanted to inform the appropriate bodies to have a second look how best they can help PBC to stand on its feet to buy in volumes. As it stands now, with the way PBC's market share is dropping, we are in the 2022-2023 um, cocoa season. With the way the trend is going, what do you think PBC's market share is likely to be in this in the, in this season? Uh, I'm not a prophet of doom, but we have we all have to be honest and be truthful to ourselves. Uh, as I predicted two years ago, that uh, if things are not changed as we have been doing things, we will be buying a single ticket. And if we buy a single delegate, it means we are not going to be able to pay ourselves and sustain the business. Every, everybody will be going home. He blamed management for the predicament of PBC and urged a change in business strategy to protect the livelihood of the over 975.4 million. Mr. Chair, out of this 275 million, 246 are being contested. 247.4.7 is being contested by three companies. Millicom, I've mentioned the earlier one, Federated Commodities and PBC. Mr. Chair, in respect of Federated Commodity and PBC, it has to do with VAT on haulage of cocoa, which they are contesting in court. So uh, we're waiting for the determination of the court, and uh, is the court has adjourned, adjourned to 26th of February. And when it's determined that uh, they are liable to pay, we will enforce collection. So that is the situation of the 247.7 million that is owed by these three companies. Mr. Chair, the outstanding balance of 27.6 million, we usually employing the same enforcement tools to collect them. Thank so, for your information, uh, this is in court, so I can mention the names. Uh, Millicom Ghana for the VAT 12.9, Federated Commodity 30.8, and PBC Produce Buying Company. 203.9 million, Make, making up the 247.9 So, um, are they contesting, for instance, PVC, are they contesting the whole amount or portions of it? Mr. Chair, uh, they are contesting the whole amount. I think it, it has to do with the interpretation of uh, a provision. Okay. Uh, for 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 PBC and uh, Federated Commodity, it has to do with whether they are liable to to pay to pay VAT on haulage 
Okay. That is what they are contesting. They are of the view that uh, they, they are not reliable, but we think that they are also providing service. And as a result, they are required to charge VAT on the service. Okay, thank you. This is the main issue that is thank being contested. You. Thank you, Mr. Okay. Chair. Meanwhile, the uh, Côte d'Ivoire Ghana Cocoa Initiative is reporting that both countries are grappling with the challenge of cocoa smuggling through other unregulated markets. Since its inception in 2018, Ghana and Côte d'Ivoire expressed willingness through the framework to define a common sustainable cocoa strategy with a view to increasing the prices received by cocoa farmers in their respective countries in a sustainable manner. Now, speaking in an exclusive interview with Blessed Soga on Foreign Affairs, Executive Secretary of the Cocoa Initiative, Alex Asanvo, lamented over the surge in smuggling in cocoa into other unregulated markets. Because both countries are talking, we are exchanging data. So recently, in one of my board meetings, yes. we were very clear. Both countries have exchanges, and Cote d'Ivoire and Ghana have presented some of the actions, joint effort at border. But the issue is even less at the border between Ghana and Cote d'Ivoire. Both countries are facing smuggling outside the country through other countries. So, okay, not between Cote d'Ivoire and Ghana. Right. Between Cote d'Ivoire and Ghana, anyway, when right. a farmer has a fit in both countries, you can't stop him to buy wherever right. he feels right. right. But that one is not where the problem is. The problem is trucks coming to Ghana and vice versa. This is less and it's becoming less because the way we have set the price in both countries, the gaps is so close that doesn't allow anyone to have benefit by smuggling cocoa. So people are rather moving in. Well, I'm not saying they're rather moving, but there are others that are interesting to go and look where there are no regulations. Yeah. That's how it works. But for us, we are not so worried because the key market for the African countries are Europe. Europe. And Europe has put some rules where today Cote d'Ivoire and Ghana have implemented traceability system, right? Which means that if you go and buy your cocoa elsewhere, yeah. well, you have to probably fraud for the data to prove where your product well, is coming from. So for us, this situation will probably benefit us because then only if you buy from Cote d'Ivoire and Ghana very clearly with the full traceability that prove that you are not buying from certain areas and ABC. Now, away from the story, the Ghana Union of Traders Association is raising fears their supply chain may be disrupted owing to the latest announcement by three military leaders in Mali, Burkina Faso and Niger to officially leave the West African sub-regional bloc ECOWAS. Now, the three departing countries, which are currently facing sanctions for overthrowing democratically elected governments, say their decision to withdraw from ECOWAS was based on inhumane sanctions and the deviated uh, from the ideals of pan-Africanism. Now, although there are growing fears of dire economic and food security implications for Ghana, the country's ambassador to Burkina Faso, Boniface Gambilla, says that will be too early to call. And survive. The problem of this exports is the issue of ECOWAS sanctions. If we don't have ECOWAS sanctions, everything is free. And even with this, their decision, there's not, I don't see anything going to affect us. Because Ghana and Burkina Faso are brothers and sisters. That's what we must know. It's just that the Berlin Conference divided us. The 1825 or 1875 Berlin Conference. That is the only difference. But Ghana and Burkina Faso, if you get closer to the border, you won't even know the difference. And the government here sees the president of Nanado as the, their mother, their father. So the relationship is just so high that this 
change. This change is just within the Sahel. It's a, a political issue of uh, exploitation, of governance, of uh, looking for freedom, or looking for independence. And that will not affect uh, Burkina and Ghana, because Burkina depends on us a lot, and we depend on Burkina a lot. Brothers and sisters don't, even brothers and sisters fight, they sleep together. But the Ghana Union of Traders say the members could be adversely impacted as their main source of supply of onions, tomatoes, and other staple come from the Burkina Faso country. A departure of these countries, they argue, could create more hurdles in doing business. Dr. Joseph Obin is uh, the president of the uh, Ghana Union of Traders, and he joins us uh, via Zoom now. Doc, uh, so uh, what is the, your basis actually for this, apart from the fact that uh, you get your supplies from uh, Burkina Faso? Beyond that, why are you worried? Well, when it comes to trading, uh, we stand to benefit a lot. Mm. And they come here to buy most of the imported goods that we even import to Ghana. And when it comes to second-hand clothing and all that, they buy a lot. Even the manufactured goods that we produce here, they come and buy. We have the advantage in this relationship. And that's um, when it comes to the relationship that exists between um, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Mali, and uh, Niger. Mm. We are almost intertwined and interrelated. What we should do as a nation, because this thing is going to affect us more than even and the other member states because of our relationship. And so uh, I, I suggest that we, we, we should bypass the ECOWAS to find immediate solution by ourselves to solve this problem. Otherwise, it's going to affect us the most. Um, the cross-border trading activities that goes on is going to be impacted negatively. Look at the cola notes that we uh, 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 ship to Niger, the onions that we bring from there. You see that, uh, uh, that relationship. Look at the tomatoes that we bring. Look at the pork of things that we can abuse come and buy from there. Sometimes, if we have goods that is locked, one we can can come and buy a lot to go and stuff because we are at the coastal area, we are hinterland, so we we and we have more importers here. So definitely, it's going to have a, a negative um, impact that we we do not have to overlook. And that's, I suggest that as a nation, mm. Ghana, we start to lose more than Doc. any of our counterparts in the, um, uh, the other uh, states. And that we should bypass the ECOWAS mm. and find immediate solution. Okay, so, so immediate solution, for instance, as, as you say, uh, what would, would you maybe uh, propose for the trade ministry or the foreign affairs ministry to do in the interim as we, we look forward to a peaceful resolution of this particular uh, crisis? Yeah, we have um, ECOWAS as a, a community, mm. and we have the ECOWAS protocol. But don't forget that we have our bilateral relationship as individual nations as well. So we have to use our bilateral relationship with these countries, and especially when we are so much connected. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Charles Barkley in a pickup game. We'll take Barkley. Ha! First pick! Sorry, kids! Yep, even easier than that. With no fees or minimums and no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? 
Okay, here's the plan. Pass me the ball every time. This is banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Historically and everything, we start to get down to follow the crowd. Mm. Otherwise, we'll lose out. It's very important. Look at the number of uh, cannabis that are staying here. Look at the uh, number of people, uh, Ghanaians, staying in those countries. All right. We are almost in advance, the intermarriages and all that. And when these things come, what, what is going to happen is that they are going to be suspicions. So because of those suspicions, mm. um, there are going to be stricter controls at the borders. So when it, 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 it comes like that, then the cross-border trading activities is curtailed. All right. And then to whose uh, uh, disadvantage? To the business community, even more than the government. So it, it's very important that we, we look at this, situate it at the proper context, mm. do our bilateral arrangements, whilst um, ECOWAS is funding solution, we should not even wait, bypass, and then find our own solutions. Um, I think the uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs should, should not sleep on this, and find ways to bridge up um, 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 this almost broken relationship. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Bain, for speaking to us here on Join News Prime. Now, moving on, the Commissioner of the Ghana Revenue Authority, Reverend Dr. Amisha Daewusomua, has admitted that he has been working without contracts. Now, the GRA boss came under scrutiny at the Public Accounts Committee sitting on today uh, when a member of the committee, Sam George, raised concerns over his continuous stay in office despite attaining the compulsory 60 years retirement age two years ago. Responding to the question, despite objection by some uh, majority members, the GRA boss said he was given the green light to continue his service pending ratification by finance ministry. Um, I just wanted to find out from Commissioner General. Um, sir, at what, which year did you attain the age of 60? CJ, I'm waiting for a response. What year did you attain the age of 60? Isn't this personal, Chairman? What? I, I think it's, it's too personal. No, no. no. Uh, it's uh, German, German. Is, is my colleague assuming? Is he assuming that? I, have, I haven't called you. I haven't called you. Oh. I haven't called you. OPK, OPK, I haven't called you. Leave that one to me to, 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 to no. direct. OMC is a, it's not a personal question, please. Honorable members, honorable members, we have our laws in this candidate governors. If the Commissioner General attained the age of 60, he can be given a contract. If the member is asking a question about his age, he should just respond and say, I'm 60, but I'm on contract. Finish. Thank what you very much, Honorable Chair. Honorable Chair, I attend 62 October 2023. Do you have a running contract? The, the chairman, as far as I know, the, the letter was sent to the board for me to continue working until it is sorted out with the Ministry of Finance and the government, um, the appointing authority. And I know that is still ongoing. All right. That, 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 that is all. That is all. That is all. It means that you yourself, you don't know whether... 
you have a contract have been signed or not so that's sufficient now my colleague james avaji was at the committee sitting today and joins me via zoom for more james we know this question by sam george led to sharp disagreement between the two sides on the committee leading to a suspension what really happened yes carlos so uh, as you start hearing from there the majority led by the deputy ranking on the committee davis also uh, actually was the first person to object to this question his argument is that this question is out of order and so he was praying the committee chair to actually uh, rule the question out but the chairman insisted that that since this is a matter of public interest, mm. he needed to provide an answer to that. If you remember, this issue came up uh, two years ago when uh, Reverend Amishada Osu actually went, attained the 60 years. People like uh, Occupy Ghana actually wrote to the president reminding him to send him uh, away or grant him a contract. Uh, that was not done. And so the back and forth was there. Then in the middle of that, mm. there was a sudden malfunctioning of the public address system in the committee uh, sitting room. The minority thinks that this is a sabotage. They raised that allegation uh, that after the committee chair has forced the House to go on some 45 minutes break uh, while the problem is restored. And so that was done. But the majority also uh, uh, defended that. Uh, and so after he answered the question, mm. Sam George spoke to the media, telling us about exactly what steps he would take moving forward. All right, so we can take a listen to what Sam George uh, has been saying there. He has worked through 2022, above the age of 60, 2023, above the age of 60, and in 2024, is continuing in a year he will turn 63 for three years post his 60th birthday without a contract so he has absolutely no legal basis to remain as commissioner general of the gra in fact someone else who with him turned 60 kennel damwa was asked to proceed on leave so why is amisha Dai still being kept at the GRE. And it is in this period, it should be very interesting and, and it should be of concern to us, it is in this period that he's gone ahead to sign the 100 million uh, contract with SML, the consolidated contract for five years. So he signed 100 million Ghana cities. That's just one contract at a time where he himself has no legal basis, has no contract. He, he, he doesn't have a contract extension. And his answer to the board should even to the to the committee should interest you. The Commissioner General is a member of the board. Yet he says he's unaware because a letter has been sent to the board asking for ratification. A board he is part of. He finds it prudent to sit as the Commissioner General of GRA two years going he's entered his third year without a contract. And he thinks that he's doing right. And SML is just one of several, several contracts. That have been entered into in the past two years by the GRA under the directorship of a man who has no legal basis. Look, Ghana is becoming a crime scene. And the president must answer. But let me even for the purposes of this conversation accept that he has unmatched skills. He would need a contract. So if he had such in-demand, unavailable skill set, 
it doesn't negate the fact that he remaining in office for two years and has entered his third year without a contract is an illegality. You cannot work in the public service without a contract. So on what basis has the controller and accountant general been paying him? <laughs> Do you see the questions that are coming up? On what basis have they, have, 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 have they been paying him? Now that you know what the issues are, what do you intend to do about it? Well, we've, we've, we've raised the issues here. Again, it, let's assume that for the purposes of uh, giving the benefit of the doubt, President Akufado did not receive Professor Jampo's notice. We're using your platform again to serve notice. And when Parliament reconvenes next week, Tuesday, I would raise it with the Speaker of Parliament because the GRA is a critical state institution when it comes to revenue mobilization. If you look at the tax, the, the budget for 2024, we're looking to raise in excess of about 10 billion in additional revenue. Is the GRA that's supposed to do that? You can't have this kind of illegality go on there. No. The right things have to be done. And this year will demand accountability from state institutions. Notice is, here, is hereby served. Now to some other story. The Council for Scientific and Industrial Research says adopting clean cook stoves initiative will help households save the high cost of fuel while protecting forests and uh, helping the climate. Uh, per the new standard, labeling regulations, uh, coal pot will no longer be available on sale in the Ghanaian market unless they pass the standardized test of the Ghana Standards Authority. Engaging journalists during the official visit of the Administrator of the United States Environmental Protection Agency, Michael Reagan to Ghana, the Scientific Research Center says clean energy is the way to go. Council for Scientific and Industrial Research is one of the agencies playing a key role in Ghana's emission reduction strategy. With the Clean Cookstove Project, scientists are happy about creating efficient stoves that use up to 60% less fuel, protecting local forests and directly benefiting the climate. As a key partner to the Clean Cookstove Initiative, Administrator of the United States Environmental Protection Agency, Michael Reagan, is leading a tour of the research center to gauge the progress of work. On display is a wide array of prototypes which will soon get onto the market. By the new regulation in Ghana, cookstoves would have to pass the test from the Standards Authority in order to be certified before going on the market. Um, people are becoming aware of um, um, pollution in terms of cooking. So people are also becoming aware of um, resource scarcity, where you don't have enough of firewood again, so you need to get a technology that should be able to save your firewood. The new LA is in. Um, it was passed um, last year. Um, the uh, cook stove labeling and st uh, standard and labeling. It's where you go to the market, you can't sell cook stoves, or let me put it in the local balance like coal pots, without having accreditation. It is also good when you are using it, you don't inhale uh, smoke or emissions that will destroy your health. We call it uh, emission test. Impressed by the progress of work, Michael Reagan says his agency will help build capacity of the Council for Scientific and Industrial Research in order to support the Clean Cookstove Initiative. Well, you know, number one, when we think about what cookstoves provide from a pollution standpoint, we are helping with capacity building. Uh, we're actually going to have some of our experts continue through webinars and ensure that Ghana has the most latest and greatest so that these prototypes are the best in the market. We don't want uh, just countries like America or Germany and others to have the best cookstoves. We want all countries to have great cookstoves. 
in addition to that, uh, we are uh, sending some of the uh, local experts here to international trainings. Um, we're making ourselves available so that we can share the best practices, uh, and we're trying to be sure that the industries are adopting um, you know, what the scientists are showing here in terms of cookstove performance. As a global call continues for developing countries to be supported in climate adaptation, Michael Reagan says developed nations such as the United States are coming to the conclusion that countries suffering the adverse impact of climate change ought to be supported. Well, I think the, 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 the conversation around loss and damage uh, you know, moved forward at the last COP. Uh, and I think that the United States and all other developing countries or uh, developed countries and developing countries are, are coming to the conclusion uh, that there has to be some funding mechanism for those who are on the front lines of the climate crisis. And so that conversation has matured. It's being led by our State Department. Uh, and we're just excited to see the conversation mature and keep moving forward. You're still watching Join News Prime with me, Carlos Caloni. There's more after this break. Please stay with us. with 26 years of excellence in education now in Ghana. We are both the university offering degree programs in health information management, software engineering, network security, and computer forensics. Admission is in progress with up to 50% scholarships for the first 150 students. Locate us at East Ligon near ANC Mall. Call 0302-523782 or WhatsApp 020-990-4714 for more details. Both the university, vibrance in of Africa. Mama, will I ever be a soccer champion for Ghana? Well, you've got to be like a geisha ball. Stay strong and go on so far. Never give up till you reach your goal. Okay, Mama, I'll be strong and go so far. Lasting long like this geisha ball. Be strong <laughs> and last long like geisha. In life, you sometimes seem to be cruising along. But just when you least expect it, things could go horribly wrong. Leave nothing to chance. Let Geico Group help you achieve your goals with customized solutions for life and general insurance, healthcare, and finance. Geico, we cushion you for life. Ow. Let me see. She's never had a toothache before. Hmm. There might be a cavity. Don't you use Pepsodent? We used to, but I'll try the new one. Ah, that's why. But doesn't every toothpaste give cavity protection? Not really. Pepsodent's Cavity Fighter repairs tiny invisible holes to give 10 times stronger teeth. Will you trust Pepsodent? Definitely. Pepsodent. 10 times stronger teeth. Use Pepsodent's Cavity Fighter. Daddy? Daddy? Oh, this tank is big! Yes, that's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow. It has a working surface on it. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I can see S-I-N-T. Mm-hmm. 
That is so true, my daughter. But it's father, it was Pilo. That's not true. But why? Hey! <laughs> Syntex was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntex gives you the biggest warranty seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? Across Africa, a new era has begun. Shifting our focus to a new horizon connecting us with one purpose to create and share opportunities to grow today we are making a brighter tomorrow built by our dreams and our energy across our continent across the world we are creating a better way to a better future the pan-african future together ecobank a better way a better africa mothers of africa mama will i ever be a soccer champion for ghana well you've got to be like a geisha ball Stay strong and go so far. Never give up till you reach your goal. Okay, Mama, I'll be strong and go so far. Lasting long like this geisha bar. Be strong <laughs> and last long like geisha. Now, the NPP and NDC stand divided on the Electoral Commission's proposition to move the 2024 general elections to November 7, uh, a month earlier than the usual date. Now, the initial proposal in 2015 aimed to provide the Commission sufficient time for result verification and finalization. Additionally, the adjustment allows for a timely resolution in case of a runoff or the need for a rerun or re election. Now, the NDC insists on maintaining the status quo. Director of Elections and ICT for the NDC, Dr. Edward Omani Buama, says the EC must be cautious with Thai's approach. Now, despite this, they recommend that the EC initiate the necessary processes and engagement to implement the proposed change for the 2028 general elections. The overwhelming consensus was that, considering all that the EC has to do, between now and the next general elections, presidential and parliamentary, the EC will be biting more than it can chew as an institution if it wanted to add the need parliamentary processes to change the dates for the 
elections. In terms of the day of the election, it's something that we all discuss, and we are all men and women of faith, so we take issues of religion seriously. And we felt that it is something that should be subjected to a broader national discussion so that all shades of opinion can be factored into it for the appropriate decision to be taken. Um, with all that said, for the election day being a holiday, we felt it is not really necessary, but if others think it must be done, even though we have too many holidays in the year, if others feel it must be done, uh, it can be considered. So I would say that the overwhelming consensus was that we should stick to what we have. But the EC should not wait again like the EC waited after the 2016 elections. The EC could have pushed these reforms in 2017, 2018 and 2019 and not in an election year. Now, the director of election for the NPP, Evans Nimako, joins us on phone. Uh, Evans, how soon is IPAC expected to uh, reconvene for this particular discussion? Uh, please, could you come once again? I'm asking, how soon is IPAC expected to reconvene uh, to have a discussion on this proposal? Well, thank you. I think from what we, we discussed today, mm. the, the EC uh, informed IPAC members that in there's going to be another IPAC meeting. And so that's what happened. So you've not been given the specific time that you, you're going to sit to actually decide on this? No, please. I said that you said in February you will extend invitation for another IPAC discussion. It appears the NPP is for this particular proposal. To what extent are you going to push this? I, I think for, for us as new persons, it's made us clear. That yes, what we have now is December 7 date for general election. Mm. But we are all aware of the challenges that the nation is confronted with if there has to be a by election. We experienced this in 2008. Mm. And so we have said that it will not hurt us as a country if the EC pushes the date. From December 7 to November 7 to allow for all these uh, uncertainties. However, the, the very people who were so much in support of this proposal in 2016, mm. i.e., the NDC, are the same people who are now running away from it. And that's a big surprise. And so, whatever it is, at today's IPAC, mm. parties stated their position. For us as New Patriotic Party, we were for November 7th. On the issue of holiday, we said that we should broaden the consultation to include other stakeholders. And so that is where the issue is. There, there were other parties who said that they think that the EC could start the decision as is being done now and consider the possible change in 2028. Okay. But I will not say that there was conclusion or the parties concluded on any specific date. But what we have now is December 7, 2024 for the general election. As to whether the EC mm. will go ahead with these positions, whether 
November or December. We advise the EC to publish its program lineup, mm. and that will inform the general public on whether it will be feasible or not. I remember in 2016 when the EC pushed for the DI, we were somewhere in the middle of the year, and the EC was also going to do registration, which was a major issue at stake. And so the dynamics are not the same. All right. Let's choose the path that will strengthen and deepen our democracy. Thank you so much. We're grateful for your time, Mr. Nemako. My, my pleasure. All right. Now, uh, we're moving on. Election headquarters is brought to you by uh, Petrosol. Petrosol is your clean fuel in full quantity. Now, Chairman Wuntume has been set free. The Ashanti Regional Chairman of the New Patriotic Party, Bernard Entry Boisiako, is no longer in the bad books of Menchia. He has been declared a free man by the Kumasi Traditional Council after he was accused of making derogatory comments about the Ashanti Hene uh, during the NPP parliamentary vetting process at the hearing Monday. Chairman Wuntume denied all allegations leveled against him by the uh, my colleague Nana Bwachi Yadom uh, sat through proceedings and has sent this report. Chairman Wuntumi appeared before the Kumasi Traditional Council with national executives of the New Patriotic Party alongside some government appointees. This is after the council demanded that he appears before Nananum over alleged derogatory remarks made against the Asantehini Otunfose Tutu II. According to Chairman Wuntumi, the allegations are false and malicious and not a true reflection of what transpired during the veteran process. And to me, but the fruit in you, we no one and the general secretary call. No, say, Chairman, I said, Ben Rock of Five Bay. And now you say, and there was someone now, I was about joining my flight abroad when my general secretary called to inform me about the allegations. I told him the accusations are false and malicious. How can I make derogatory remarks against the Tunfu? This is not possible. <laughs> Although Kokosohini Nanakwekudia defended his allegations against Wuntumi, the Kumasi Traditional Council trashed the claims and asked both parties to settle their score without involving the Asantehini. Bante Mahini Bafo Uso Amankwetia the Sith, while delivering judgment on the matter, admonished chiefs to refrain from political activities in the heat of campaigning for the 2024 general elections. He asks that the MPP regional chairman be set free without any charges. Well, 
Now, it was a tragic loss seven years ago when a soldier, Major Maxwell Mahama, was brutally murdered by some resident of Denshra Obwasi. After a long legal tussle, the Accra High Court today has sentenced 12 people, including the former assemblyman of the area, William Barr, to life imprisonment for their involvement in the killing of late military officer Major Maxwell Mahama, which two others acquitted and discharged. Major Mahama was lynched by a mob at Dentra Wasi in the central region on the 29th May 2017. The courts, presided over by Justice Mariama, also found William Barr guilty of abetment to commit murder and murder, while the 11 others were found guilty of conspiracy to commit murder and murder. Seven years after the gruesome murder of Major Mahama at Dentrobwasi in the central region, 12 people, including then assemblyman of the area, William Barr, have been found guilty and sentenced to live imprisonment. William Barr was found guilty of abetment to commit murder and murder with the remaining 11 found guilty of conspiracy to commit murder and murder. Attorney General Godfrey Dami was pleased with the judgment. Of course, the views of justice, as we all know, grind slowly, but today we have seen justice. We satisfy the conviction of the 12 accused persons. Two have been acquitted in accordance with due process. Yes, um, I do not think the Republic will contest the acquittal of those two persons. Yes, so we are satisfied with it. Yes, 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 yes. yes. For me, that's, that's actually the most important lesson to be drawn from this, that indeed there is no point at all engaging in mob justice. But clearly, we have seen a situation where a person was innocent, I mean, was gruesomely murdered under such circumstances. And I believe that the whole nation will learn from it and need to put an end to mob justice in Ghana. Major Mahama's mother was full of emotions after the verdict. The murder of my son has been determined... And I am thankful to God for the strength to endure over six years of agonizing pain. The twists and turns of events as, as an associated heartache is unspeakable. God knows my plight as a mother whose loving son was snatched away from her. Major Mohammed's father also called on the state to look for the rest of his son's murderers and prosecute them. Those involved in the killing of Major Maxwell Mahama outnumber even 100. They were vividly captured in a video and uh, yet uh, we got just 14 standing trial today and uh, 12 of them have been found guilty and convicted. We thank God. The rest, there are a lot of them out there who all contributed in their various ways to get this uh, young officer uh, killed. And so we leave them to the law to chase up with them. And if not, we leave them to the almighty God. The case, which was presided over by Supreme Court Judge Maria Maouusu, saw two of the accused, Bismarck Donko and Bismarck Abanga, acquitted and discharged from the court complex in Accra, Kenneth Jesse for Joy News. We have more after this break. 
Good evening and welcome to Prime Business with me, Emma Davis. A look at our stories. The Bank of Ghana has opted for a more cautious cut in its policy rate. This was after it reduced the rate at which it lends the commercial banks to 29%. George Raffi has more from the Monetary Policy Committee meeting press engagement today. This is the first time since July 2023 that the Monetary Policy Committee of the Bank of Ghana has moved to reduce its policy rate by 100 basis points. Addressing journalists at the press conference in Accra today, Governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Ernest Addison, gave reasons why it had to go down by this margin. We are trying to manage two things, uh, looking at sticking to our core mandate of bringing inflation down and at the same time being mindful of the need to give a little bit of, you know, uh, incentives to the growth side also by the decision to cut uh, the policy rate by 100 basis points. Now, if you look at the ECF program, it was expected that growth would slow. You can't have this very tight fiscal consolidation, very tight monetary policy, and not have growth slow down. In fact, we are seeing that growth has performed better than originally projected. On inflation rate outlook, this is what the Bank of Ghana governor had to say. We do not expect that to lead to second round effects of, you know, which would lead to a, 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 a sort of a derailing of the disinflation process that we are seeing. So yes, our modeling team has taken that into consideration. Uh, you would notice that we have given you a range instead of a point target for the year. This is the range for 2024. Uh, at the middle of that range, uh, I think it's about, what, 15. Eh? So you have 15 plus or minus 2%. The Bank of Ghana Governor Dr. Ernest Addison insists Ghana's program with the IMF is on track, rejecting arguments that more cuts are needed to help check inflation. The original forecast for growth was 1.5%. So we are doing better than we had originally envisaged. And if you look at the path of growth, you see that we fully recovered to around 6-7% in 2026. So this is really the outlook for growth. If you take the ECF program, which I believe you would find in the staff report that has been published, you will see what the path for growth is. In the banking sector, the governor was satisfied with development in that space, insisting all banks are in a strong position to recapitalize. They seem to be, the banks have mobilized a lot of deposits. They are very liquid. There are not many uh, avenues for investing their resources, so they are all putting it back on the auction. Uh, the Economic conditions have not improved to the extent that the risks associated with lending, you know, are reduced so that they can increase lending. And instead of lending, they are all putting those resources into short-term government bills. So we are still looking at that, I must say. It's an area that we are still discussing and... Uh, it, it probably did have an impact, but there's still a lot of liquidity out there. Banks that have got investment will see the 
government also coming in with, with more resources. So, Sullivan, I think that rest assured that our banks are very strong and resilient, and we don't foresee any major problems with uh, bank capitalization in the country. The governor of the Bank of Ghana also rejected arguments that the Ghana city has not responded to the IMF inflow. The impact, on, you're saying you're not seeing the impact on the inflows on the exchange rate. Are, are you sure? Uh, since January last year, the city has literally been very firm. I mean, for the 11 months of the year, we saw a depreciation of 7%. So, this is not a fixed exchange rate. But if you look at the graph, it appears as if the CD has been fixed, right? But that reflects, you know, some of the improved external sector conditions, the improvement in the current account balance, the improvement in the foreign exchange buffers of the central bank, and, and then the emergence of confidence in the economy, and therefore the currency has remained relatively stable. At least we are not seeing the very high depreciation that you were seeing in 2022. Remember, the currency depreciated by over 50% in 2022. Now this year we are looking at 7. Dr. Ernest Addison also disclosed that based on the fresh inflows from the IMF, Ghana's international reserves has not crossed the over $6 billion mark. Banking consultant Nanao Tui Champon says the action by the Bank of Ghana is in the right direction. Economic capital is depending on the economic activity that the bank wishes to undertake. And so when it comes to regulatory capital, almost every bank has got it. And those who don't have the financial stability fund is helping them, especially the state-owned banks. You know, the private ones are also... Um, getting along. I mean, they don't have problem with regulatory capital, but it's economic capital which they have problem with. So therefore, uh, the uh, assessment that the governor gave was right, that if you look at the DDP effect on the bank's capital, what they have reversed as was expected by virtue of IFRS 9. And so uh, almost all the banks that uh, suffered losses have now shown profit because of the reversal of the IFRS impairment. So from the capital point of view, the assessment is that, yes, the banks are doing well on capitalization. And as I say, for regulatory capital, they've all met it. It's the economic capital that we are working on. Do you think that this would aid in the fast recovery of these commercial banks, i.e. even the governors saying that they can even plow back their profits to show up their capital position and all the rest. Do you think that all these things that are happening, IMF program and all the rest, would aid in a faster recovery of the banks than what we initially had feared about their position going forward? Well, I didn't fear about their recovery at all because the impact was the DDP versus IFRS 9. And I kept saying that that was a technical loss. It wasn't a real loss. And therefore, once they uh, reverse themselves as per the same standard, then we don't have a problem. So what about the impact of this development on the larger economy and the outlook? My colleague, George Rafael, again, has been engaging economist Dr. Edu Osusakodie. 
Well, in, in, in arriving at this policy rate, they, look at, uh, they took a lot of things into consideration. They look at the, the global picture, the global economies, okay, except with the uncertainties in the geopolitical tensions, that is bringing about the uncertainties in the uh, fuel prices. The domestic economy is recovering, though not fully, but uh, we know that things are pointing to the right direction. Inflation is trending downwards. That's what we call dis- disinflation. The exchange rate has stabilized, as the governor said, uh, around 7%. The um, trade TB rates has also declined marginally, and, and all these are pointing to the right direction. So they, they've taken them into consideration, and there are two things I picked. One, that in, even though inflation is trending downwards, it is still high. Around 20%, 20, uh, 23% is way, way, way above the BOG's target of 8, plus or minus 2. So there's a reason they wanted to keep the policy rate high to still fight, tighten the policy rate and fight inflation. That's all we have for you tonight on Prime Business. My name is Emma Davis. But before we go, I need you to keep watching, uh, I mean, to keep brushing your teeth day and night with Pepsodent. With Pepsodent, every smile matters. And I leave you with international business. Have a good evening. Hello, welcome to Prime Sports with me, Razak Musbao. Now, the Minister of Youth and Sports has come under intense pressure to reveal the 2023 AFCON spending after it emerged that some $8.5 million was budgeted for the tournament, whose prize money is only $7 million. This was revealed in a Facebook post by a Member of Parliament for North Thong, Samuel Okujas Hablakwa. My colleague Daniel Crantin has been following this story and has more in this report. The North Tongue MP Samuel Okujitua Blackwa claims an amount of $8.5 million was set aside for the Black Stars' participation in the continent's flagship tournament. According to him, the figure excludes the $1.5 million spent during the AFCON qualifiers. The figure, $8.5 million, is contained in an intercepted letter from the Ministry of Youth and Sports dated 2nd January 2024, posted on the parliamentarian social media accounts. The letter addressed to the Minister of Finance requesting part payment of $5 million from the Black Star's total budget of $8.5 million is signed by the Chief Director of the Ministry of Youth and Sports, Mr. William Carty, on behalf of the Sports Minister, Mustafa Yusuf. The winner of the AFCON stands to gain $7 million, $1.5 million more than Ghana's alleged budget. Now, Ghana's performance at the AFCON has been under steep decline in recent time, raising concern among major football stakeholders. Now, here is a graph presentation of the team's performance in recent tournaments. And you can see from 2010, uh, this captures the period between 2010 to 2023. And um, you see 2010, the Black Stars managed to make it to the final in 2010. Then in 2012, they made it to the semi-final. And if you look at it, there's a decline from the performance in 2010. Then in 2013, from the semi-final, we went down to the quarter-final. Then in 2015, there was an improvement where the Black Stars managed to make it to the final at the AFCON. Then after 2015 final performance, Then in 2017, there was a sharp decline to 
only making it to the round of 16. And in 2019, the Black Stars, in 2017, the Black Stars managed to make it to the uh, semifinals. So after 2015, making to the final, there was another decline to the semifinals in 2017. Then in 2019, the Black Stars further declined, this time making it only to the round of 16. Then in 2021, they failed to even exit from the group stage. And in 2023, which tournament is still underway, they repeat the performance of 2021. So in the last 14 years, the Black Stars have managed to make it to the finals twice, made it to the semifinals three times, and have failed to advance beyond the group stages twice in successive tournaments. So this has been the decline that the Black Stars find themselves in, for which reason people have been asking that a holistic review of the Black Stars' performance in recent tournament should be done instead of the persistent change in coaches. So in the last three editions, the Black Stars basically have not been able to make it even to the quarterfinals. Now, let's still stay on the AFCON because an 88-minute penalty proved to be the difference uh, uh, maker as Kivad and uh, Kivad advanced to the quarterfinals after defeating Mauritania by a goal to nil. Well, uh, Rian Mendes was the one who managed to convert the sports kick that came the way of the Capovedians. Now, the result sets up a quarterfinal against either Morocco or South Africa on Saturday. Verde have now uh, made it to yet another quarterfinal uh, after making uh, the quarterfinals in their first appearance over there in South Africa in 2013. Well, in the other round of 16 game underway is Senegal who have taken the lead against host Cote d'Ivoire and that game is just about some 25 minutes into the first half and Senegal, the reigning champions, are already leading over there. Well, to some uh, Australian Open update, and Janik uh, Sinner landed the Grand Slam title he has long promised with an extraordinary fight back to beat Daniil Medvedev in the tournament final. Now, the 22-year-old uh, trailed by two sets before recovering to win 3-6-3-6-6-4-6-4-6-3 in his first major final.
simply sensational way for Yannick Sinner to win the Australian Open. His maiden major happens in Melbourne. Your Australian Open men's singles champion for 2024, Yannick Sinner. Hello, everyone. Um. Well, in the females division, uh, Arena Sabalenka managed to retain her title with a very good win over Zayn Kinwin. 14, 15. Championship point. Welcome the 2024 Australian Open Women's Singles Champion, Arena Sabalenka. That's all we have for you on Prime Sports and I'm Musbao. Thank you so much for your company and please do 